To some, God is discoverable everywhere. To others, nowhere. Much depends on the seeing eye. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest doubt and storm. Jesus. Jesus is our sink, the fountain of youth, our cup of salvation. My cup overfloweth and fill, yes, Jesus feeds. He is the breath in our lungs, the joy in our hearts, the crow's feet in our smile, yes, Jesus loves. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only loneliness and despair. But look for the risen Christ, and you will find him, and with him, everything else thrown in. To be loved is to be known. To be known is to be loved. And you know me. You pave the way. In accordance with the scriptures and as proof to the promises of the prophets, you conquered the grave. And most importantly, you rose. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. Precious blood of Christ. So it was great. It was great to be able to uh, share and re-look at just some of the things that we did together last week when we honored Jesus and his death and resurrection together as a community. So many people serving, doing out their best to honor God with their art. And it was a real special special, beautiful, I think, uh, time that we spent together. For me personally, uh, I felt very gratified by it just because I was so proud of everyone, just the way in which we, we tried to honor Jesus. Um, you, by the way, you can watch that now. It's been posted on our uh, website, and you can pass that along if you want to. They've got the full edited version there. And so if anyone wants to revisit the presentation, it's there, or you want to pass it along to a friend or family member, it's good to go. For me personally, last week was a tough week. Um, I know it, it was special. But about 10 to 14 days ago, I got a cold. In fact, I still sound like I'm, I'm recovering from one, as I am, actually. And it was about 10 to 14 days ago, I got that cold. And then heading into Good Friday service, man, I started getting really bad. I mean, my chest, I was really bad. In fact, so bad that by Friday, after the Good Friday service, which is, you know, the day, the Easter weekend was already started that night for us, um, uh, someone said, you, you need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the emergency. So I went, I went and... I went, I, I grudgingly went at night and I got there and they said, it's good that you came in because you, you know, you've got bronchitis. And um, I said, you know, we're not sure if it's virus or, you know, bacterial. So we, we're going to, um, we're going to put you, we're going to do some stuff with you here, give you a little stuff to take and put you on a little uh, breathing mechanism. And they said, and, you know, and by the way, uh, you know, uh, you probably need to take about four or five days and do nothing. In fact, you need to let your boss know that you're not coming in. 
It's like I said, you know, I don't know if that's going to work. Um, my boss is pretty busy on Easter, right? I said, I don't think so. So I said, do the best you can with me and get me through it. So it ended up being, ended up being a victory. But uh, so if I, if I sound a little bit uh, off, I'm, I'm getting better, but still, still recovering. But really happy about where we're going. And uh, maybe that's not even the right word to use. I'm, I'm excited in the sense that I believe this will be an important little mini-series that we share together that will be equipping us to have a more effective and fruitful wisely live life for Jesus if we do this right. So I'm going to pray a blessing and then I'll share about where we're going and uh, in the rest of our time together. But Lord, again, I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to just even share your words, which that alone is a gift. And I pray a blessing over everyone who's here, everyone who's come, everyone who's listening. Uh, I, I ask that each one of us, we all have our own stories. I say this all the time. I pray this all the time, but that you would, you would meet us where we are. And life by its very nature is constantly changing. What wasn't there one week is now present this week. And we can't always tell what a day will bring, but we know that you are with us. And we thank you so much for that. And we ask for your blessing to be even now, as we've invested in this time, may it, may it have great meaning and value. May it help us at a, at a spiritual soul level. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, God. So, you know, Easter, we were able to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, as we often call it. Um, that gospel is essentially the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and what that means for a person, what he calls us to. You know, one of the things that we sometimes think about is if I were to ask most people on the street what they identify, number one, as the symbol of the Christian faith, by and far and away, in fact, any, so easily this would be the answer. Everybody would say the cross, of course. And it would be true in the sense that it's clearly the most recognizable symbol associated with Jesus. That is kind of amazing in its own right when you really think about it because the cross before Jesus and people wear that in, you know, on their, around their necks and different artistic expressions, tattoo, I mean, everything, right? But the cross itself was a Roman instrument of death. I mean, they got it from the Assyrians and they, if I could say this in a perverse way, they perfected it. It was basically a point of torture taught to teach people lessons. Jesus is so identified with the cross that that instrument of death now is associated with life, really. The life that God gives us in Jesus. The cross is the expression of the life of Christ given for us. God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Whoever believes in him wouldn't die, wouldn't perish, but have life. It's about God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus pays the price. You and I couldn't pay it. We couldn't get to God. God comes to us. The very symbol itself of the cross, horizontal and vertical, the idea of heaven touching earth. He meets us where we are. He comes to us. He pays a debt we couldn't pay. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. How can I repay you for that debt, Lord? I give you back myself, my imperfect self. Part of that, that cross represents his love, that relentless love and the sacrifice and the lifeblood that he spilled. We glory in the cross. It means so much. And yet, I'll tell you this. If the cross was the only symbol we had, it would be actually sad. Because if all there was was the cross, and that was the end of Jesus' story, it would have been nothing more than a beautiful life that had a very, very bad ending, a tragic ending. 
the key symbol, if we really think about it, for the faith, the key symbol for anyone really who follows Jesus, is not necessarily the cross, as meaningful as it is, it's the empty tomb. Because the resurrection changes everything. Him conquering death means that life wins, love wins. Without that, there's nothing more than a good example to kind of follow in a life that actually doesn't mean anything and isn't going anywhere. His conquering death changes the human equation. It changes everything. It means that what oftentimes looks like hopelessness is anchored in hope. That's not just a pipe dream. It's true that we talk about it a lot of times as something in the future. Heaven's in the future. Heaven's real. Heaven's in the future. I get that. And you know what? The older we get, the more it means. It's true because anybody who lives long enough, you realize, and you don't have to live long to realize this, but our bodies won't last forever. They don't. This earthly tent, it uh, endures over time. It erodes. Can't contain the life that's in it. Eventually, it goes back to meet its creator in some way. Jesus said, I give you a bridge of life if you'll have me. Wow, the humility of God. Having said that, you know, again, Paul, who was initially Saul of Tarsus, not a believer. In fact, to call him an unbeliever would be actually to do probably a disservice because he was a passionate, hostile disbeliever. And as such, he later, after his conversion, after his meeting Jesus, after the meeting that he described as being apprehended by the living Jesus on the road to Damascus, his paradigm was utterly altered. He became someone totally committed to Jesus. What he remembered, because he felt clearly that everything mattered, that he had seen the risen Jesus. He said, I was an apostle born out of due time. I wasn't there when it happened, but I saw him. And this is what he ends up writing in in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, look, if if our hope is in Christ only for this life, he says, then we're actually more pitied than anybody else in this whole world. The older version says, more miserable than anybody. Because he says, we're basically living a life after a pipe dream that means nothing. He, says, Every, he puts everything on the resurrection of Jesus. He puts everything there. He says, otherwise, don't even bother. Don't waste your time. It doesn't matter anyway. But the fact that he lives, the fact that he rose, oh, that changes things dramatically. Now, when Jesus talked about his rising, he didn't just talk about it as something of an event that would allow us again to get to heaven. He talked about it as an event, a moment, something that would occur that would change the very way he could relate to us. He talked about it as something that would allow him to come to us by virtue of the Holy Spirit in a way that was very different than what had been. And part of what we've been celebrating here and honoring in his resurrection is the idea that Jesus, the resurrected life that he has He wants to bring that life into our life. And so when we talk about life apps, when we're talking about this, we're really talking about allowing God's life to play itself out in our life, the reality of Jesus showing up in our lives. We're being asked to welcome him in, and I really believe this. The Lord invites us to welcome him into every detail of our life, to our everydayness, not just for an hour or so a week, but into the everydayness of our life into our public environment and into our private environment, into our personal place, into the place when we're with a lot of people and the place when we're all alone. That he wants his life to be present with us always. Lo, he said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. That's a great promise for all of us. That means the Lord wants to be involved in our lives and he wants us to involve him in our lives. He wants us to take his undying life and let that life flow into our life.
so that he's with us in our highs and our lows, in our defeats and our victories. And I found that sometimes he's most, he's most present to us in catalytic, transformative ways in those defeat, defeated places. When we're more open, more vulnerable, more broken, blessed are the broken, for you can be healed. Uh, I think about this, I think about where we're going again in these, this next month, these next few weeks, and how we want, how we want to, to see the life of Jesus in us in such a way that we can live it out. So we want, we want to live out his life on his behalf by allowing more of his life to fill us. So we want to live for him, through him, and in him. And so we're calling this series, you know, Life Apps Version 2. Some of you may not have even been here for Version 1. We shared it at the beginning of last year. It was something that we, we were pretty excited about. And uh, I know that in that series, we sort of laid out the idea of what a platform and apps were meant to be. And you notice in your handout there, we've got a little description. I, want to, I want, just want to point a couple of things out. Because we're talking about, you know, where we've been. And the first thing we did, just quickly, Life App 1 had to do with this idea of building on the platform that Jesus gave us. Building and understanding his, his life platform. Now, Jesus talked about the most important thing a human being can do. When they asked him the question, what is the greatest thing we can ever do with our lives? What is the number one thing that matters to God? Jesus answered the question. You can see it here in Mark 12. He said to them a, a, a passage that they, many of them would have known already. He changed it slightly, but for the most part, it was a combination of two key concepts in the Older Testament. He said, look, the greatest thing, number one thing you can ever do in this life to be successful, number one, is to learn, is to do this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with your body, to love him, to genuinely love God, and to seek to be open to that love that he wants to bring to you. And then secondly, he said, like unto it, not far behind, right on his heels, love people, love others, as you love your neighbor as yourself. Basically, he's talking about our relationships. He's talking about love God first, love people. Love God, love people. And then we fleshed out in our second life, because life app one had to do with laying that a platform. Life app two had to do with the idea of loving people to our best. How do we do that? How do we implement that? How do we go at it? You know, some of us have an easier time loving people we don't know as well, and we struggle with loving people well that we know the best. And you've heard me say countless times that we should never allow intimacy to be an excuse to be somehow more mean-spirited or less responsible for our words. But that's what happens sometimes. The Lord wants us to first learn how to love ourselves. We call that one of the first, we call it the circle of love, in a proper, healthy way. Not either arrogantly nor shamefully, thinking of ourselves more or less than we are, but to see ourselves identified in Jesus as one loved. Loving ourselves, loving the key people in our lives, our critical relationships, then the next circle being those relationships that we're connected to, maybe at workplace, other social circles. Then fourthly, people we don't even know. And fifthly, the hardest in some, in some ways, what Jesus modeled at the highest level on the cross, loving our enemies, so hard to do. Loving to our best. Then we talked about this idea of celebrating. Number three, Life App 3 had to do with celebrating life's gifts and surprises. And what we did was he focused on the parable of the prodigal son. Particularly, we talked about the celebration of the father when his lost son, who had squandered everything and was so 
sad and, and shamed how he came home to his father, just like some of us come back to God, and, and he was accepted and loved and the compassion, and he was, he was celebrated, and how God shows us that not all days are the same kind of days, and we have to be able to mark things in our lives. And then we zeroed in on one part of that parable, that story. We talked about the older brother's reaction and how he could not celebrate, how he was angry and unhappy with his brother being blessed felt that it wasn't right, wasn't just, wouldn't go in, wouldn't celebrate. We talked about that. We, we played it out. Then fourthly, we finished that by talking about growing in our seasons. You can see it, Life App 4, growing seasonally. Growing seasonally had to do with trying to identify the seasons that we're in in our life. All of us, some, you know, we think of life in terms of the natural seasons, spring, summer, fall, winter. Where are we? How would we, if someone said, where are you in terms of the season of your life, in terms of natural season analogy? Some of us go, oh, I'm right there, given a natural lifetime. Each season has its opportunity. Each season has its moment of growth. Each season has a, a thing that God's calling us to move into. Those transitional places, sometimes more obvious than others. In a season, you can't always tell when one season goes to the next. But at some point, you know you're in it. Each season, God has something new he wants to do in our lives. So we talked about all of those things. And, we've, and now, what we're doing, essentially, is we're then... And by the way, if you, if you want to, you can go straight, cornerstone sf.org slash life apps and that'll take you straight to a review of all four of those messages with the pieces that are the, the video pieces that go with them and that's a great way to get ready for this series and just to get your heart right around it and prepared to receive it so each one of them and, or you can go directly to our website but this is just an even faster way to do that and that leads to what we're, where we're going and I want to just briefly put this on the board as well we're calling this version 2.0 and one of, the, one of the pieces that I'm most excited about is the first one, just staying young at heart. By the way, we can be young and have kind of an old, tight heart, and we can be old and have a very young and soft heart. And I think the ideal is God wants us to keep, so what I'm saying is staying young at heart at a spiritual level certainly is not necessarily how old we are or what stage we are in life. It's more about a decision we make to cultivate a heart that is resilient, that is capable of welcoming him into the rhythms and the contours as we talked about of our life. His grace, learning how to live lightly, how to live with wonder, how to not get beaten down by the things of life, the offenses, the hurts, the wounds. The one thing I will say is the older we get, the easier it is to become cynical. That's true, because we see things that disappoint us more, and that hurts we can start to create a veneer that keeps us from being open to the new things God wants to do. We're going to talk about that. I'm very excited about that. Another thing we're going to get to is this, this other one, this idea of juggling life's responsibilities and, and surprises. And that has to do sometimes with the things that hit us that we weren't expecting. Really what we're talking about there is how to navigate life. And how the Lord wants us to take his life and teach us how to implement into our lives a skill set based upon his wisdom, again, that allows us to negotiate some of the harder or challenging or surprising places that life brings us to. And we'll all get there. Thirdly, cultivating our minds and our bodies. How do, we, how do we pursue optimum health in a very toxic culture and environment? I say that as part of the culture. How do we keep our bodies as healthy as possible? How do we keep our minds in a good place? You know, there's a connection between body and the mind. Jesus said, he said, you know, keep, keep your thoughts, take care of your thoughts and watch your words. But, he, but the scripture also taught us that, that a person, the way they think, as a man thinketh, so he is. Our thought, so much of the battle is one and lost in the mind, in our thoughts. So much of where we get 
sidetracked, discouraged, beaten down. Um, so much of our victories can occur right in our thought life. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Then lastly, we're going to learn this last one, which who, uh, who among us does not have seasons where we make mistakes and where we actually experience failure? How do we recover from that? How do we redeem that? How do we let God help us do that? There's a lot to learn, a lot to sit with. Very excited about where we're heading. Now, when you think about it, and I just want to talk a little bit more about it, is the, the idea of the platform of Jesus that he gave us. Jesus talked about in his message that he shared, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, it's Matthew, you can find it in Matthew 7, he talks about this specific idea. He was, it's the message on the hill by the Sea of Galilee. The bottom line is he's a long message Jesus gave. In that message, he said this. He said, and you're already able to see it, he, he said, look, anybody who wants to be a truly wise person, whoever hears, hears these sayings of mine, who hears what I say and does it. Now that's a difference between what? Hearing and implementing are two different things, aren't they? I can hear something and not act on it. Or I can hear it in such a way that it causes me to do it, to respond. He says, the person who hears what I'm saying and then implements it into their life, that person, I will say, is a wise person. I will say this person is like a person who builds their life, their house, on a rock, on bedrock. And when the storms of life hit, and they will, they will. When the, when the rains come down and the flood rises up and the winds start to howl and beats on that house and part of it starts to buckle, it will hold because it has a foundation on a rock. But the person, he said, who hears what I'm saying and doesn't do it, this person, I will say, is like unto a foolish person, right? He'll later on say that. And that's the next verse there. It's like a foolish person. And that person will build their house on the sand. like, And when the rain falls and, and the floods rise and, and the wind hits, it cannot endure because foundationally it does not have the soundness, the integrity, if you will. God wants to teach us how to hold. Because here's what I'm convinced of. We will all have storms in life. Some are easy to get past. They're like quick. They, it's like in our weather patterns. They may come and go. Oh, we, it was tough weather. We got through that. Others are so devastating to us that they alter, as it were, our landscape. And the, the person we are going in, one thing we know, is not going to be the same person coming out. They were different people. Things happen in that, those, those hurricanes in life. God wants to teach us how to prevail. Platforms matter. Foundations matter. We're going to talk about this. In a minute, what I'm going to be hearing is we have someone in our church who's actually the co-writer on this project with me, my friend, Rusty Roof. Rusty's going to share around what the, the idea of platform and apps and kind of give it a different way of thinking about it so we can understand where we're going. One of the things about Rusty is pretty cool. He has served along with his wife, Patty, in our children's ministry for now well over a decade, faithfully committed, loving our kids, part of the great teams that work together to do that. And not only that, Rusty, and you can see this in your, in your handout in the bio section there, but Rusty's got a lot of other things that he's involved with. He's someone who has a tremendous amount of, a significant amount of experience in the marketplace. Not only that, he's involved in circles of art, technology, politics. Rusty, for example, serves on uh, President Obama's uh, advisory committee on the arts. Rusty serves as board member of Glassdoor. Uh, he's involved with the Grammy Foundation, Act Theater, uh, he's involved with a lot of startups. He's got a 
a book called Purpose Working, a blog that he does that you can go to, Purpose Working. He's just got an, ama an amazing expansion of, of involvement, and he has a lot to, to share with us around this idea of platform and apps, and I want us to be able to just hear what he has to say about it. So we're going to go ahead and show that to you. Here we stand on the stage of one of the great theaters of San Francisco. This theater, it was actually built just after the 1906 earthquake, and it stood the test of time, including the 1989 earthquake. But that's not actually why we're here. We're here because a theater is a great metaphor for understanding the difference between a platform and an application, or what we're calling an app. You see, this stage is like a platform. It's the foundation of a theater that all else is built upon. And without the stage, there wouldn't be a place for actors to practice their craft, nor a place for the sets or the props to be placed and to be used. You see, the stage, it carries all the weight. The stage can be counted on. The stage doesn't go away. The stage is the platform for a theater. All the rest, well, they can be considered the applications. You see, the sets change, the scenes change, the actors change, the costumes change, the lights change, the plays or the musicals, they change often. With the sets, the costumes, the makeup, we can create whatever we desire. Pastor Terry described our life platform and how our faith becomes the one constant and truly sustainable part of our life. But how do we live this platform out throughout all of our life? And what about the things in our life that are part of every day that aren't built upon the right platform, that then become a problem and a conflict? Well, we have to consider those things as applications too, that we must be sure are built upon a firm, strong, and consistent platform. Things like our occupation, our job, our friends, our relationships, our interests, our hobbies, our politics, our education, our geography, our fashions, our finances, our health, our emotions, and even our age. Yes, it changes every day, as does and will our physical appearance. You see, all these come and go. They're like the apps on our phone or on our tablets. They're here today, needing an update tomorrow, or maybe even gone tomorrow. But our platform, no, it doesn't come and go. It stays. It stands the test of time and change. It bears all the weight of the apps that are built for it. The platform, we can depend upon. The apps, while seemingly so important at the time, they get installed and removed and are only as good as the platform underneath them. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take the next few weeks and go deeper into the ways we can extend our life platform into many life apps so that we can learn to make the right choices, to live our lives fully as God has desired for us to do. We're gonna explore how our platform can sustain and strengthen each of our life apps taking them with us each week into the world, outside of the church walls, to our workplaces and our homes. But for now, let's remember this. We must actively accept and build our life platform upon God's platform, and then build our life apps on top of this and this only. All right, you know, I'm gonna do something a little bit different today. Uh, have my, my friend and, and co-writer on this project, Rusty, with us. I like, can we give him a, a warm hand? Can we do that? All right. Thank you. Welcome. That was fun. <laughs>
<laughs> you know, I, I, we were talking about this whole idea of platform and apps and something that you and I have been discussing obviously a lot. But um, how, do we, how do we stay focused on the right platform? I mean, how would you talk about that? Is it hard to do that? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say this, Pastor. I'm, I'll, I'll go out on a limb that I don't think there's been another time in the history of man that it's been harder to stay focused than right now. Because we have so many things hitting us all the time. So, anybody got one of these? Right? So remember when it first showed up? You know, there were big bags and things, you know. Um, and it was a phone. And then someone said, you know what? Let's put a camera on this. And then we started to get little games and things. And now, you know, what Apple introduced and Google does and everybody else, you know, we have just about anything in the form of an app. You know, when Apple said, there's an app for that, you know, it's true. <laughs> there's either an app for it or somebody's building an app for it. And all of those things on that phone are basically trying to grab our attention. That's why in the tech world it's called the attention economy. And so they're just trying to grab, push notifications, constantly you know, asking us to update, looking and trying to get us to get that app on their, our front page, our front screen. And so it is extraordinarily hard to focus in today's world, especially mm -hmm. on the platform, when all of these apps are just constantly trying to grab our attention. And you know, the good news is, is that our phones let them turn, turn it off. Yeah. You know, hard to do, but we'll turn them off, you know, and we'll, we'll you know, let the notifications go away. But the apps of our world, you can't turn them off. It's advertising, it's entertainment, it's music, it's the messages that we get at work from others. It's those people who are close to us saying, this is what you ought to be. This is how, you know, this is what you have to do to be successful. Those, those get really hard to shut off. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, then part of what you're saying is that we, to curate what we do in terms of our life, what comes in and what comes out, I mean, part of that, part of that we have to almost be intentional about it. And, and I, I mean, it's, it's not just even keeping things out, it's like cultivating also the good things in our lives. How, how, do you, how do you, in terms of just like our spiritual life, how do you think it's good to be able to keep our focus? I mean, are there some practical things that you think we can do that help us focus on the best things, say on the platform of yeah. Jesus? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, for, first of all, we have to have the discipline to try to turn off those things right. that, you know, that have maybe come into our life that have started to influence us and in some, sometimes actually start to control us. You know, so last weekend before the Easter service, right, those of us who are here, knows that you asked, you asked us to do something. Yeah. It's a very simple thing. You said, can you turn your phone off? Right? You said, don't, don't be that guy, right, yeah. that, that, that interrupts. Lo and behold, still what happened, though? You know, in some of our services, people's phones rang. And, you know, in my own life, I'll tell you, those are those things, those things that have crept in that I know shouldn't be there, that I would tell you, I've turned them off. I'm sure of it. They're not going to show up. And then at certain points in life, they ring mm. right when I least want them to. And so I think it's not only the discipline of trying to keep out those things. I think it's also making sure that we understand that those things can overtake us and that we have to bring our focus back to the platform. So, you know, the way I, the way I think about it, and I'm, far, I'm, <laughs> I'm so far from perfect, Lord. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I will tell you that um, what I try to do, though, is every day in my personal life, I try to live a life, the life that Jesus asks us to do. 
And I think about it in two ways. First of all, I, um, I never walked into this thinking that this way of following Jesus was going to be easy. Hmm. You know, even though God says to us, Jesus says, you know, the yoke I give you will be easy. Right. Um, but if the way and the path was broad and not narrow, right, it would, it would be easy. It's not. And it's like, you know, any of us who work out, I, I'm a runner. You know, you go to the gym, you know, before we go into those exercises, we don't go, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be easy. <laughs> because if we did, we know it wouldn't be good for us. So I start from a place of, okay, it's not going to be easy, and I need to have barriers and boundaries around me. And I use two verses. And it's okay if I... Yeah. Okay, so um, the first verse I use is Romans 12.2, and I'm going to read it. Um, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know, and the key is then... Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And this is the, the verse that we hear, you know, you, we're in the world because we are, but don't be of it, right? So if we transform and, and we copy the ways of the behaviors of the world and we become that, then we're going to miss out. Yeah. So I use that verse. And the other one I use is I use 1 Corinthians 7.31, uh, which is those who use the things of the world, and it doesn't say don't use the things of the world. It says those who use the things of the world, which we all do, should not become attached to them. For as this world, for as we know, um, it will soon pass away, which is what your message was earlier, right? The eternal right. focus, the rest of it will, will, will pass away. So I have to be reminded. I have to be reminded to keep these priorities right. It's almost like I have to like, you know, let God's notification be turned on in my life. And in order for me to be able to, um, you know, to keep the focus. Well, I mean, because right. when we talk about the world. I mean, what we're really talking about is the culture that we live in, right? The values, the things that are constantly bombarding us. And I mean, I think a lot of us uh, feel compelled, you know, this is our world. This is our reality. This is the place where we live out our lives. And there's so many wonderful upsides to it. You're, you've mentioned some of the downsides to it, but I mean, when it comes to like, just say, even you representing the Lord in the circles that you're in, because you're in, you're clearly not advocating escaping culture into this life of secretive piety, right? That's not what we're talking about. You're, you're talking about engaging the real world. You do it on a regular basis. But you're saying is we have to have a real stable core and platform. Maybe you can, can you comment like, how do you do that in a way? Because you're engaging people all the time outside yeah. of these walls. Yeah. And, and we have to, right? Because that was part of the, me the message of Jesus was, you know, go forth and go forth and spread the good news. And so, you know, if we just stay within these four, four, four walls, we can't do that. So when we go into the workplace or we go into our work life, um, we have to be engaged. And I, I do, I think about it this way, and you said it, you know, we have to fill ourselves in order to be fulfilled, right? And we have to, we have to start there. So I start with what I would say are my disciplines, mm -hmm. um, reading God's word, mm -hmm. staying God's word, staying uh, consistent in a prayer time, uh, making sure that I'm in God's house, um, on a regular basis to take in the teachings and learning, to serve. That's why we serve in the children's ministry. I, I tell you, when I serve, I feel like I, I get twice as much as what I give, right? It comes back to me. Um, being faithful in my giving. And then also my, my small group time. My small group time is really important to, to keep me accountable. Um, so 
those things are the things that, that, that remind me, that keep me grounded um, in, a, in, a, in a way. So the more I fill up my life with those things, it's harder to fill up the life in the with the wrong things. It's like a displacement. It is like a displacement theory, you know. Um, but, and it's why you see in these life app videos that, uh, that we do, you know, series one, and you'll see in version two, you know, I, I come up with these little pithy things, yeah. you know, try to remember like in version one, we had the love app, the L-O-V-E app, you know, we had our life gift app, we have our, you know, life seasons app. Um, because I think we have to be reminded, at least I personally have to be reminded over and over. Well, that's, you know, if I can, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I, I do want to mention this. I mean, is there anything that you would be able to help us with? Because some of us are environments where it maybe it's not that, that easy always to live out our faith for Jesus. And we, and we may feel sometimes reluctant or even perhaps intimidated by, by it, just based around what we're experiencing. How can we take this, this sort of idea of the life of Jesus and have it at a core level? And then how do, you, how do you operate with that challenge? How do you move into the marketplace? How do you move into these circles that you're involved in, in representing the Lord's heart? Is it easy? I mean, how do you do no, it? No, it's not easy. <laughs> I wish it was. Um, it is, um, it's about trying to live out the example. So Jesus gave us an example. I mean, one, one of the great things about Jesus, lots of great things, right? But, you know, he didn't just sit on a cloud and say, worship me. You know, you can't reach me. Just sit on, but I'm up here on the cloud. Just do what I say. He actually came and walked in the same earth that we walked on. Yeah. He came into, in his environment, the marketplace, into the workplace, into all those things. Yeah, and he gave us an example of how to do that. And that life example is what we can do. And, I, you know, to me, it comes back to, you know, the verse that you, which is the great command. Love Jesus first, you know, love him with all your heart, mind and spirit, and then to love others. And if you hold on to those two things, then the things that you do in, or I try to do in my life is to represent that. You know, so it's, sometimes it's the little things. You know, we get bombarded in the workplace and everything's, you know, I'm going through some contentious stuff right now with one of my companies. And, you know, how I conduct myself makes it different. You know, the fact that I just pray and say, Lord, give me grace, give me mercy, mm -hmm. and, you know, don't let four-letter words come out of my mouth. <laughs> because I read your word and I don't see any place that you ever used a four-letter word. Love. So therefore, yeah, love, right, love, love. Yeah, that was a good one. That's good. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I know um, what you meant. Yeah, but you know, you, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know, and then also how we love others, right? To show up for others when they're in times of need. Yeah. You know, to just be there with them when when they're hurting, and be the one person where everybody else is off trying to you know take care of themselves to try to stop and take care of others. So there's a lot of little examples, but the little examples make a difference. And you know, and unfortunately, in, the, in, in, our, in our faith, in some ways, everybody wants to see us stumble. They would love to see us stumble. They would love to see, go, oh, yes, yeah, see, you're one of those guys that goes to church on Sunday, and you say you teach Sunday school, but you act in a whole different way. And I look at that as a huge responsibility, because I don't want to be hypocritical. I don't want to be someone that represents one thing on Sunday and a different thing on Monday. It's just... You know, it's a bigger game than that. Well, that Jesus that, is and that's us. a perfect note for us to just say this, that the goal that we have, it really is to be able to enhance our capacity to appropriate the life of Christ and allow us to live increasingly as he did. I mean, there was no gap between the words of Jesus and the way he lived. Therefore, he had utter authority. And I think the Lord wants to help us to be able to, to have a consistency 
between the way we, we, what we believe and what we say we believe and how we live it out. And so our desire is to equip everyone. I mean, honestly, that is the real desire. All who come, all who are going to hear these words, the messages, it's designed to get us thinking about how we can improve our game, if you will, how we can be more effective, more courageous, um, more whole people who represent his heart, never perfectly, but increasingly in ways that speak of his grace and life. So that's our goal. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to pray over what we've just shared, and, and uh, we'll have our time of giving, and, and our closing song focuses in on this idea of making Jesus the focal point in the platform. Let me go ahead and pray over what we've just shared and where we're going in the weeks ahead. And so, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to engage your words in, in, in different ways, to think about this idea of building on a healthy foundation. And I know that you're, you're inviting a lot of us to a, a place of growth and expansion in our lives with you. And for some of us, it's going to show up in our private lives. Some of us is going to show up in our personal lives, our relational lives. And others, it's going to really show up in, the, in, our, in our public and, and in our work lives. And you're calling us to places of upgrade and strengthening. And so we just really welcome you in. We welcome your grace. We welcome your power. We welcome your life. And I ask for this blessing over all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.